enjoy your classes. Just want to extend a special welcome to everyone that thought they were showing up a half hour early. You're actually a half hour late. All right, please welcome with me our pastor, Cameron Wright. If anyone walks in at 11, we all applaud, okay? <laughs> Usually happens at least one person, so great. Would you join with me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you uh, that we can come into your presence in worship, Lord, uh, that through your very body you made a new and living way that we can approach the throne room of grace. God, and you've also given us your word uh, to lead us and to teach us. So I just ask that your Holy Spirit would come, illuminate our minds, open our hearts to receive from your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, last week we started a series where we're looking at various attributes or roles of Jesus Christ. And uh, the Scripture says that when we, when we look to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, we become more like Him. And in fact, whatever you look at, whatever you gaze upon, whatever you focus your attention upon, you will become more like that. And so it's really important to uh, turn your attention and intentionally focus on Jesus. And we want to be more like Jesus. We want to know uh, Christ and His power. We want to see His power alive in us. And so it means intently, purposely studying or contemplating the attributes of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Last week we looked at um, Jesus as Savior. This week we're going to look at Jesus as Lord. Jesus as my Lord. I'm uh, reading out of Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. If you have your Bible, uh, uh, <coughs> turn to it. <laughs> I was trying to make a joke, but nothing came. So, <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. How many there? All right, good. Philippians. Chapter 2, verse 8 says, Now being found, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, which is a different translation I normally use, but gets to the point. It says, Being found in appearance as a man, speaking of Jesus, he, Jesus, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus... Every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do for His good pleasure. I'm going to read the same passage from a, another translation or paraphrase called the message. And so if you don't have this to follow along, just kind of close your eyes and listen. He kind of gets a little wordy, but it, it, it brings it into very contemporary language. <clears throat> Paul writes, <clears throat> Having become human, He stayed human. Speaking of Jesus Christ when He became a human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. 
And the worst kind of death at that, the crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far above anyone or anything ever. So that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow in worship before this Jesus Christ. And all call out in praise that He is the Master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. What I'm getting at, friends, is that you should simply keep on doing what you've done from the beginning. When I was living among you, you lived in responsive obedience. Now that I'm separated from you, keep it up. Better yet, redouble your efforts. Be energetic in your life of salvation. Reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy, an energy deep within you. God Himself willing and working at what will give Him the most pleasure. So that's our verse. Uh, uh, our portion of Scripture that we're going to examine today, looking at this idea that every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Some of your translations put it a little differently, and I think it's more like, um, in fact, let me read it. Don't look. Um, where is it at? Verse 8. Wrong chapter. In some translations it says that every knee should bow. Yeah, they should. Well, you know what? People should do a lot of things. But the Scripture here actually says they will bow. Alright? There will be a time. And in the original language, it, it basically the should or may or will is not there. It's just they're going to bow. Every tongue confess. Every knee bow before Jesus Christ as Lord. Being found in the appearance of man in verse 8, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That is what we talked about last week, that Jesus came as Savior. He became my Savior. He suffered and He died as the humble servant. And He did that for our salvation. That's true theologically and objectively. In other words, in theory, that's, that's true. Everybody know that. Who knows that? Jesus came and died for your sin on the cross about 2,000 years ago. All at once. Amen. All right. <laughs> All right. So it's true theologically. It's true objectively. This is one thing that differentiates Christianity from many religions is that Christianity is based in historical fact. There was a person named Jesus Christ who was born by a virgin, lived, suffered, and died under Pontius Pilate, rose again the third day. He died on the cross. It's objective. It's true. He came and did that first. There's another ask. Afterwards, after His death, came the resurrection and that He was exalted. He was lifted up. He actually ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God. This is also the pattern that we live out experientially and subjectively. Okay, 
So it's true objectively. That means it's true outside of us. But it's also true inside of us, subjectively, in that we first need to learn and experience Jesus as Savior and accept His death on the cross for our sin. And then, as a result of that experience, as a result of experiencing Him as our Savior, we can begin to learn to exalt Him and follow Him as Lord. All right? Does that make sense? <clears throat> Just as it happened in, in, in objectively, it happens subjectively. It's, listen, a lot of, this is the most common misunderstanding of those who have not come into relationship with Christ is that they don't think they can because they're not good enough. And it's like, that's the point. Right? You can't be good enough to be a Christian. It's only when you accept Jesus as your Savior that His salvation, His payment price enables you to walk the walk that you're called to. He empowers. It's God's energy. And so we have to experience His salvation. And once we experience His salvation, once we accept Him as Savior, then He becomes, or we begin to experience and live out Jesus as Lord. Now, some people think they can have Jesus as Savior, but not as Lord. We're going to talk about what Lord means. Alright? <clears throat> it's just not true. You can't have Jesus as Savior, but not as Lord, because He is Lord! Whether or not He is your Savior, He's already Lord. Always has been, always will be. Okay? What's optional is whether or not He's your Savior. Because every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Does that make sense? Alright. For this reason also, verse 9, God highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Ever talked to anybody under the earth lately? <laughs> yeah, I hope not. <laughs> if you have, we need to have an appointment. <laughs> and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Message, because of that obedience, God lifted Him high and honored Him far above anyone or anything ever. Boom. So that all created beings in heaven and earth, even those long dead and buried, will bow and worship before this Christ, uh, Jesus Christ and call out in praise that He is Master of all and uh, to the glorious honor of God the Father. God exalted Him because of His obedient death. Because He took on humanity and died uh, in our place, God lifted Him above every other name. It says, far above anyone or anything ever. Jesus is Lord. That means Jesus' name is above, higher than every other name. That means that no person, no institution, no cause, no idea has ever, <clears throat> will ever be higher than the individual the person, Jesus Christ. Nothing, listen, is more valuable, more important, more powerful, or more pertinent to the universe, to the planet, to the human race, to our society, to the community we live in, or to us as an individual than the person, Jesus Christ. Okay? There's a lot of good causes. 
There's a lot of good things to get involved in. And it doesn't mean that they're not good. There's a lot of good things you can, you can give your time and energy to. But nothing ever has, is, or ever will come anywhere near the importance of the person, Jesus Christ, who is Lord, because God exalted Him high above everyone and everything. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> That's what it means. It says those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, or the message, all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long dead and buried. What does this mean? In heaven, literally that word means above. Everybody say above. above. Okay, what does above mean? Anything higher than your head. <laughs> right? It just means everything up there. Now, a lot of people get spiritual. And they want to define what's not defined by the Bible. And in doing that, you take risks. Okay? <clears throat> because chances are you're going to be mistaken. Right? It, what's it say? The word is above. So what's that mean? Everything over your head. <laughs> so that means in the celestial realm, which would be what people generally call heaven. And that would be defined as the place. One person asked me, what's heaven? I said, well, heaven is where God is. You know, but God is everywhere, isn't he? Amen. All right. So it's just being in God's presence or being in the uh, uh, awareness of his existence. It's where angels dwell. It's where demons dwell. It's a celestial uh, dimension, if you like. But it also means outer space. In fact, that word also means the atmosphere. Okay, so everything up there is going to bow before Jesus Christ. I don't care how far they can see with the telescopes. If there are any living creatures out there, they're going to bow and they're going to confess because they're created. All right. On earth, that means everything within this world, all worldly systems, all world every person, every man, woman, and child, but also the systems, the, the ideas, the philosophies, all of those things. And there are a billion of them. There's six billion, right? It's all going to come to the place of bowing before Jesus and under the earth, subterranean or infernal, just literally meaning belonging to the world of departed spirits. Well, how's that going to happen? Listen, the message of the Bible is that everyone is resurrected, good and bad. All right? <clears throat> everyone is given a new body. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Bring it on. All right? So even those who do not confess Jesus as Savior, they'll still confess Him as Lord. In the resurrection. Because they're going to have a new body when Jesus comes back. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess. Um, <clears throat> everyone will bow and worship. Everyone will call out and praise. He is master over all. Those, this is the point. Those who in this life have rejected Jesus as Savior will bow to Him in subjection. Okay? By force. And be held by that force eternally confined. That's another description for hell. 
Okay? They will be forced. They will not have a choice. When Jesus appears, they will bow. No contest. Not even close. Alright? But those who have accepted Him as Savior will bow in submission out of love. And in that same act, be set free by the love and experience that love eternally. And that's what we call heaven. And so it's the same Jesus. When He comes back, those who have accepted Him as Savior will see Him as the glorious Savior. Those who have rejected Him and dismissed Him and resisted Him will see Him as a terror, as their judge. They'll cry out for the stones to fall on them and they still won't be able to die. But we'll see Jesus coming back and go, wow, that's what we've been waiting for. You know, it's that same act. He is Lord over all. Is He your Savior? Let's talk about what Lordship means. And I'm going to just give you the definition of the word. First, in the Greek, which is what uh, most of the New Testament was written in, it, and, uh, it literally means supreme in authority. That is, controller. <laughs> Everybody say control. God's got a control issue. <laughs> He's supreme. He's in control. He's supreme in authority. Another uh, uh, dictionary puts it this way. Uh, another aspect of it. He to whom a person or thing belongs. I like that one. Alright? About which he has power of deciding. Alright, so if Jesus is Lord, that means we all belong to Him. Alright? Now think of something you own. Think of your favorite power tool. Alright, I mean that's your baby. You need to get something done, you pull it out. And you can cut down a tree. Or whatever your power tool is. Or your favorite appliance at home. Whatever it may be. Alright? That appliance doesn't really have a choice, does it? And if it doesn't work, you fix it or you throw it away and get a new one. Alright? He to whom a person or thing belongs. Well, how much authority then should Lord Jesus have in your life? What if you went and turned on the oven and said, no, I'm a little tired today. I don't want to do this. Do you sit down and say, oh, really? <clears throat> well, you've been going through a lot. <laughs> yeah, you hit it. Something's wrong. Well, God wouldn't hit you, maybe. Um, I don't know. In the Hebrew, it's... Um, the word Jehovah uh, uh, has been rendered in the English Bible, Lord. And uh, throughout the Old Testament, it's uh, also uh, sometimes uh, pronounced Yahweh. Um, it's the great I Am. And it's literally the proper name of God revealed in the Old Testament. Uh, but it's translated in our Bibles as Lord, um, even though it's, it's a... <clears throat> and the reason they do that is because... Uh, um, Many, many thousands of years ago, the Jews decided that it was so holy they didn't want to pronounce it. So no one was allowed to pronounce the name 
to the point where no one now knows how to pronounce it. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> and, and all they have is the, uh, the consonants. <clears throat> and so we, we say it Yahweh or Jehovah. And that's the proper name. It's actually a name uh, for God when he revealed himself to Moses. <clears throat> and it's, trans, it's in your Bible as Lord. So in one sense, Lord is the proper name of Jesus. And then the other Greek, uh, Hebrew word that's used for Lord is Adon or Adonai, which means one who possesses absolute control. It don- donates a master, <clears throat> uh, a ruler. But it also donates, uh, can be translated, a husband. All right? And so <clears throat> we have uh, this kind of a extra dimension added in. In addition to supreme authority and ruler and master, we have the idea of God being in relationship, a relationship of intimacy and love as a husband. And all of the... Uh, the New Testament quotes of the Old Testament, uh, Jehovah or Yahweh, are translated Lord. The English word, <clears throat> let me just quote from a dictionary, says, Our English term Lord does not give the particular meaning of the original word, yet it conveys a strong and noble sense. Lord is a contraction of the Anglo-Saxon, um, I'm going to mess these up, but uh, Laford, Afterwards written, lovered, and lastly, Lord, from the word bread. Hence the word uh, uh, loaf or ford to supply. And it means to give out. Okay? Or it implies the giver of bread. And so the English root, the word, the English word, everybody say Lord. Lord. Hey, you just spoke English. (laughs) Say say. Adonai. Yeah, it's Greek to me. Actually, that's Hebrew. (laughs) All right. So Adonai is one of the Hebrew words for Lord. uh, And uh, uh, Lord, though, the English word, looking at the definition of that, includes the idea of the giver of bread or one who deals out all the necessities of life. And it goes on, says this, this commentary was written quite a long time ago. It says, Our ancient English noblemen were accustomed to keep a continual open house where all their vassals, everyone under their dominion, and all strangers had full liberty to enter and eat as much as they would. And wouldn't it be cool? You just go, show up at the castle and there's always a feast going on. All right? <clears throat> and hence those noblemen had the honorable name of lords. The dispensers of bread. Uh, and then when he wrote this, he says, there are three of the ancient nobility who still keep up this honorable custom from which the very name of their nobility is derived. So the English word donates not only the idea of uh, authority and being in authority, but also one who supplies our needs. All right, summary. What does the word mean? It means the one who is supreme in authority, the one <clears throat> to whom a person belongs means the master, the ruler, but it also means husband. Now this kind of gives us the idea that uh, the biblical idea of a husband being in authority in the home, but it also, and I think more importantly, speaks of God's authority expressed in the context of a relationship. Everybody say relationship. 
See, Jesus wants to be your Lord relationally. And part of that is intimate love. And part of it is supplying your need. And part of it is He's in control. And part of it is you belong to Him. Okay? <clears throat> but it's all part of it. It's, it's, that's what Lord, it's bigger than just one idea. It's a big idea. And we want to integrate that. We want to look at Jesus, not just as Savior, but see Him as Lord. Well, Paul, in his writing to the Philippians, also kind of gives us an understanding of what lordship is. So we're going to jump back to Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. He says, So then, after he talks about Jesus being confessed as Lord, he says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Again, from the message. What I'm getting at, Paul says, friends, is that you should simply keep on doing what you've been doing from the beginning. While I was living with you, you lived in responsive obedience. Isn't that good? Responsive obedience. Now that I'm separated, keep it up. Better yet, redouble your efforts. Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy, an energy deep within you, God Himself willing and working at what will give Him the most pleasure. How many watched the dog whisperer? Oh, come on, raise your hand up high. Hey, you guys ought to watch that show. It is amazing. How many have ever seen it? I knew a guy like this. We uh we got a dog years ago. Anybody want her? <laughs> She's <laughs> giant golden reach. She's the greatest dog. <clears throat> She's really great, but she sheds hair like jeez. <laughs> you could make carpets out of her hair. <laughs> okay, uh so uh and he had this ability that this dog would not obey me, but just him walking in the room, instantly the dog behaved differently. I'm telling you, it was like that. It was spooky, all right? And this dog whisperer on TV is the same way. <clears throat> he knows, and, But the dog whisperer, I don't know where he's at philosophically. Or, he's always talking about energy. It's the energy you, you, you know. He's like peaceful energy, you know. And he, he, you have to admit, you know, it's basically you're in control. And, and he's, he's talk, he actually has a lot of good principles. Um, but he's always talking about emitting energy. And in the same way, uh, if it helps you understand, when the Lord is in your life and you respect His Lordship, all of a sudden, your life gets tuned. All right? And you're at peace. And there's obedience. This dog whisperer guy doesn't tolerate any disobedience with the dogs because he's, he's the master. And he lets the dog know that. All right? And it's the same idea here. Philippians is talking about, hey, that energy is God's energy. And God's energy is available. He works in you both the will and to do of His good pleasure. It's His will. It's His power that enables us to be obedient. And so Paul tells us what is meant by lordship, and it's simply obedience, our obedience. Listen to this. The subjective experience of the objective truth that Jesus is Lord is our obedience. 
the Bill Johnson pause. When we obey, we live out Jesus as Lord. We Here's another way to put the same truth. We experience His Lordship through our obedience. Alright? How do you experience the Lordship of Jesus? You experience the Lordship of Jesus when you obey Jesus as your Lord. When you're in obedience, He is in Lordship. When you're in disobedience, you're in rebellion. Alright? And so you don't benefit from the benefits of His Lordship. In fact, you come under discipline. Paul says that we are to do this not only in my presence, but he was writing to the Philippians, he was not with them, but now much more in my absence. In other words, uh, obedience is not just when we're being supervised. Right? Okay? That's like being a little kid. You tell them to do something, they do it great, and you walk out of the room, and boom, it's gone. All of a sudden, they're back playing the game. Or they just forget. I'm like, I forgot. (laughs) My boys say, I forgot. I believe them. They did forget. It's like, he's not lying to me. He forgot. As soon as I walked out of the room, he forgot. He was supposed to be cleaning the room because there were Legos there. And Legos need to be played with, right? And so I got to come back and and train him. But eventually, you're supposed to grow up, right? All right? Not like uh, children or negligent employees have to constantly be supervised. Paul says, better yet, redouble your efforts. When nobody's around, demonstrate, experience the Lordship of Jesus Christ by obedience, by living out the life that Jesus has called you to without being told, without having to be reminded, without having to be scolded or corrected by God, but living in His Lordship. Okay? We live His Lordship through obedience. You want Jesus as Lord? It's simple. Live in obedience. Learn what He commands you to do. Hear His voice and follow it. And you will have Jesus as Lord. He will be Lord in your life. He will be your bread giver. He will be your husband. He will be your master. He will be supreme in your life. It's the only way. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Be reverent and sensitive. Whoa, I thought God was a loving Father. He is. But there's still an aspect of fear. You know what the Greek word for fear in this verse is? Take a guess. Phobos. From which we get phobia. It means dread. It means terror. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Some people think they can skirt around that. Well, I stand here and warn you. You can skirt around it for a time. But there will be a day when you will see His face. My plea and exhortation is live in submission and obedience now so that when you see His face, you see the face of your lover and your Lord. You see the face of the One that you have been obedient to as often as you can and that He knows and so that there's affection and love. 
I don't minimize the fact that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Because it's an important aspect of the gospel. But Paul follows up and he says, because it's his power that works in us, both the will and to do. In other words, everything you need to live a life of obedience, God provides. Everything, all the time, everywhere, in every situation. I know it's tough. I know it's hard. It doesn't feel like it, but that's the point. You need to get to the place where you're relying on Him and not your own strength. And God will bring you to that, to test, to see if you're obedient, if He's Lord. The only way He can know whether or not He is Lord, the only way you can know and others can know whether or not He is Lord is if you live out of obedience. And that means doing something maybe you didn't want to do or not doing something you wanted to do. Because he's the one in control and you're not. Does that make sense? All right. Let me quickly whip through seven types of uh, authority that lordship doesn't mean. (laughs) You laugh. I'm going to go quick on these. These are types of authority that we're all familiar with. But this is not what lordship. Lordship doesn't mean dictatorship. Dictatorship is absolute control with no relationship. It's based on power and force. It can be easily corrupted or avoided through the black market, for example. God's not a dictator. He's Lord. God's not a consultant. And this, unfortunately, is how most American Christians treat God. I'll consult with him and get his opinion, and then I'll think about it. A consultant is completely optional. It may be sought out for occasional opinion, but not obeyed. No, uh, nor... it is. It doesn't necessarily. You don't have any relationship at all, or it's optional relationship, and little authority and nearly no power. That's not what God is. God's not your heavenly consultant. He's your Lord. <clears throat> it's not a boss. He's not just the boss. A boss has a limited f- sphere of influence. A boss can't call you at home and say, "Hey, do the dishes." Right? Hello. They shouldn't. <laughs> If they do, you got a problem. <laughs> All right? They have a limited sphere of influence. God's sphere of influence is not limited. Right? Relationship is optional. It's based on reward. You're, uh, you obey your boss because you're going to get paid. All right? Right? And you don't get paid, he's not your boss. It's uh, consequences only. And that's not the way, that's not lordship. Plus, you can obviously, you know, just quit and go get another boss. He's not an elected official. Elected officials, their authority comes from the electorate. We put them into power. It's democracy. That's not the way God works. Uh, the authority and power is limited or controlled by a constitution or laws. It's very easily corrupted. God is not an elected official. He's not a policeman or a judge. Which all judicial authority, again, that's limited by laws and constitution. There's no relationship required. God's lordship goes far, far beyond that. All of uh, these things have aspects of what God's relationship involves, but God's relationship goes beyond. He goes beyond mere, mere parental uh, authority. Parents have authority, but it's temporary. You grow out of it. And the purpose of good parenting is to transition them, the children, to make their own decisions. And so, yes, God's our Father, but we're never going to grow out of being under His authority. And uh, finally, Jesus' Lordship is not spiritual possession. Okay? 
<laughs> Everybody say amen. amen. Y'all tired because you had to get up an hour early this morning? You're quiet. Some, I think some Christians misunderstand this. They think that God will take control of their body. <laughs> you know. Oh, he's... Well, this is really what... <laughs> I uh, I was talking to a pastor just not too long ago, and he was bemoaning, he was whining. <laughs> and this pastor was uh, he was uh, brought up. He gave, became a Christian in the midst of the revival, and man, some of you may remember, but it was church almost twenty four hours a day. It was so you'd get there and you'd be there for t- twelve hours, easy, and worship would just go forever and. And it was powerful. God was doing all kinds of great stuff. So he kind of got birthed into that. And then he spent a number of years just as an intercessor, so spending hours and hours in, in prayer. And now somehow he ended up a pastor. And he's trying to figure it out. And he said, he says, I can't get people to, to come to church. I mean, if, or do the small groups. He says, if, if we do a fellowship in a park, they'll bring their kids and everybody will come. But I can't get them to come to church and, and go to a small group. And I said, well, that's kind of like the goal, isn't it? Is, Happy families hanging out together in healthy relationships. I said, the goal isn't 24-7 church services. And he was like, yeah. He says, but it sure was fun. (laughs) And you know what? That is fun. And God does that for a season. Three times a year, the Israelites were commanded to go to Jerusalem and spend a week or two weeks or three weeks just in celebration. But then they had to go home and plant the food and harvest the crops and raise their livestock and go back into regular life. And some people get, you know, there's a truth, ecstatic spiritual experiences where you're caught up in the presence of God. They're very valid, but that's not lordship. That's not being in the presence of God uh, in and of itself. That's just part of it. All right. That's a good part of it. And that part gives life. But uh, God's lordship is not like a, a spiritual possession where he takes control. You know what? You have to choose to obey. And it's out of that obedience he is Lord. All right. Jesus, the Lord, must become my Lord. You have to accept his lordship personally. He has to be supreme in authority in your life. That means when you have a decision to make, you make sure you make the decision that's in agreement with His Word and His will. All right? You check that first. You don't make a big decision without making sure you're doing what God wants you to do. Uh, That you live your life as though you belong to Him. That He is your master, but He's also your husband and lover. That He is also your supplier. And you know, there's only one person that can... Make that choice. I can't make you choose to have Jesus as Lord. And you know what? God Himself cannot make you choose Jesus as Lord. He's done all He can do by coming and dying on the cross to demonstrate His willingness to give everything of Himself for you. The only person that can make you live under His Lordship is you. Alright? And that happens... Monday at 2 p.m. when you're making a decision whether or not to do right or wrong. Or Friday night at 10 p.m. when you're deciding what you're going to watch on TV or the Internet. You know, or whenever. 
Right then, that's when the decision is made. You need to make the decision and commit your life to Him, but then you need to live it out in responsive obedience, like Paul says. Amen? Sarah has some announcements. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to New Day. I'd like to welcome any first-time guests that are here with us today. Uh, we have this connection card that's attached to the bulletin, and you can fill that out and bring it to the connection counter in the back of this room to receive a gift from us to you because we want to thank you for coming. All right, we have a couple of announcements. Um, today, right after the service, this is the last week to sign up for life groups. The session goes from um, right about now till the end of the summer, and um, we're going to enjoy times there's... Um, there's some fellowship groups, there's some discipleship groups, there's all kinds, and there's some good varieties. So go ahead and check those out at the end of service today and sign up. Um, we have two sets of Bulgarians coming to Kalamazoo this next week. <laughs> it is. We have a conference that's at Agape Christian Church, which is just right around the corner around West Main area. Um, and that is the Higher Realms Conference. And Georgian and Winnie Banovs, who are uh, Bulgarians, <laughs> are going to be speaking, as well as um, Ron and Kim Sipsik, who are from this church uh, back in the day. And then also um, uh, Peter and Lisa Dresser from Detroit Metro Church. They're amazing. And then Desiree Lamphere are also going to be speaking. And that's in the next um, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of this next week. And I encourage you to check it out. It's going to be um, a great time of getting into God in a deeper way and experiencing his presence. So I just encourage you to do that. And then the second set of Bulgarians are coming to our church this next Sunday. Um, Pastor Mitko and his wife Albana are going to be here. They are an amazing couple. Every time Mitko comes, he carries with him just a real encouraging, fresh word from God. And he takes scripture and just brings it to life. And um, they just bring a lot of joy, and they speak on the joy and the love of God a lot. So that's going to be exciting next Sunday. Um, Be here for that. It's going to be great. And then also... um, How many of you remember last week's announcement about the Joneses uh, fundraiser? We are are doing a matching fund, and we would like to raise $4,000 that will turn into $8,000. Every $1 that you give is going to turn into two. So there's a multiplication happening, and every um, dollar amount that comes in for the Joneses from now until April 26th, the last Sunday in April, um, all that f- those funds are going to be collected and brought together in one amazing exponential gift. And we hope to bless their church. It's going to be a really good thing. And um, Cameron is going to go see them coming up soon. And I'm sure he's going to bless them there. When is their first official liftoff Sunday? The first Sunday of April. And so we just want to bless them. All right. And then we have one very exciting announcement. We have had a birth this week. Um, Aaliyah Joy Menzer was born. Isn't she cute? She's gorgeous. Um, she came uh, Thursday evening at Borges, and um, Marilee's doing really, really well, and they're very happy, and she's very healthy and gorgeous. So we want to welcome her into the new body. And then um, we can go ahead and take the offering. So ushers want to get ready for that. Um, also, I just want to mention on the connection card, um, you can fill out any prayer requests. We have an intercessor team that will pray for you. And then also, don't forget that every week that you put your name on one of these connection cards, it's going to be put into 
a big box of some sort. And at the end of the year, you know, we have this gift of giving thing. Every week we're giving away a gift. At the end of the year, we're going to give away a a large gift, and you're going to wish that you put your connection card with your name on every single week. And you have to be present in order to win any gifts. And throughout the year, we're going to be pulling these connection cards out of that um, box. So there's going to be times you can um, receive a gift anytime this year out of these connection cards and then also at the end of the year. So this is a very important thing to do. It's just, you know, write that off, fill it out. All right. Join with me in blessing the offering. Thank you, God, for your love and your grace and your lordship, Father. And just we just receive and accept your lordship in our lives. And I just pray, Father, for a, a reminder of that every day that we walk, Lord, that we would just walk in obedience to you, Father, and that we would grow in that freedom that it is to be um, your, your son and daughter. In Jesus' name, we bless this offering and we bless this church. Amen. Okay. Jerry Birch has a testimony. Jerry Birch, come on up. Good and faithful servant. Good morning, everybody. I really want to make this exciting because you guys know when I get really serious, I start crying and all that crap. So I'm going to really, really try. But I want everybody to know that some of us are extremely fortunate to know the time and the date and the place. And 35 years ago today, I met Jesus Christ, which is pretty exciting. That is exciting. I'm just like super excited. So then about eight months later, there was this situation that um, I asked Pam to marry me. And which was a pretty cool situation because that's where I met her was at this church. And then um, I said, Pam, how about if we do something special? And let's get married on my birthday. So Pam and I have been married 34 years today. So I'm pretty excited about that. So it's nice to know the time and the place. Some of you aren't that fortunate to get to know that. You know, you've come up in the church. But um, it's a fun time when you know that. 35 years. Gosh, it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe that I've been married 34 years. But serving, you know, and I don't want to take a lot of time, but I'd love to tell you my testimony sometime. But... 35 years of living with him, I've had an opportunity to be in a lot of churches. Pam and I have moved 12 times, and uh, Jill knows that, maybe more, and it's been like five or six different states. So we've had to find churches, and, and I didn't get saved in a denomination. I got saved in the Jesus freak time, which I'm not afraid to say that I am. Uh, I love being a Jesus freak, and I think some of you probably know that by now, but, um, you know, that's a lot of churches, and that's a lot of pulling the kids up and finding Sunday schools and finding pastors. And, and we always, when we traveled, we always said it was out of before things that we've got to find. And if we're fortunate if we can find three out of four, we've got to find some good teaching. Then we have to find something for the kids. And I think you guys know me well enough that i got to find something I can worship, you know, because I, I just have to have my worship. And, you know, we talk about our paths. And uh, I've forgotten the fourth one. It's, it's too nervous up here. Um, but those were things that Pam and I looked for when we went to different churches. This is something that I think you can take to attest to you. I've been a savior. I've been saved for 35 years, and this is the first church that I've ever signed a membership to. So take that as a compliment, Pastor. Thank you, Jerry. Patty, can I come up? This is Double Testimony Sunday. <laughs> 
I just have a quick testimony to share. Um, I've been going through some hard times lately and have been hit with some unexpected finances. And about a week or so ago, I was driving my daughter's wonderful truck to work. <laughs> and I got almost to work, and it, something started squealing in the engine, and something kind of popped, and... Then the battery light came on, and the check engine light came on, and then the check gauges light came on. And I looked, and the temperature was, like, all the way up, and I said, God, please just let me get in my parking lot at work. I made it to the parking lot and work, and you could actually hear fluid bubbling, like, all and steam coming out, and I'm thinking, this is not good. <laughs> and I wish I could say I was spiritual, and I'd say, God, I know you're going to take care of this, but I'm going... I can't afford anything else right now, and I, we need both cars. And and uh, so I went into work, and I had a meeting right away, and I'm sitting in the meeting, and I went, I have towing through my insurance, so because I was thinking, how am I going to get my car in to be fixed? And I called towing. I called the insurance company, and they said, oh, yeah, have it towed in, and we'll pay for it 100%. And I'm like, cool. So I had it towed in, and a couple hours later, the guy from the car repair place called me and he said have you ever had your water pump changed and my first thought was like oh that sounds expensive (laughs) and I said or he said have you had any work on it lately I'm like no and he goes well your bolts came loose and it pulled it away it came loose a little bit your water pump and it popped the belt off he goes so I put the belt back on and I tightened both your bolts I was like okay so what's the charge and he said I'm not going to charge you anything for this. I was so excited. So that was a blessing. Uh, what auto shop was that, Patty? <laughs> Cameron, come on up. What, what was it? What auto shop? Yeah. What auto shop was it? Bell Tire. Bell Tire. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, as you know, it's the it's the year of giving. We're giving away a gift every Sunday.